Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. So we're so glad you're with us today to start this new year, this first Sunday of the, of the new year. Um, we always say happy new year. I'd rather say joyful new year because happy is happenstance. It's what happens to you. But joy is a condition. And I hope that Christmas this year um, and now this, this thought of a, of a whole new year is inspiring joy within us. The, the Christmas season is known in the church as Advent. We don't talk high liturgy here, but Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means an arrival, that we're waiting for an arrival, right? Uh, we don't know what this new year holds, uh, as Scott just talked about. We don't know, where, but we know that one has arrived, that Jesus Christ has come into the world, that the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the Greek word for Advent in the New Testament is the word parousia, which means he's coming again. So we're, we, we waited for the birth of this child, and now we wait for his return, that we know that history is in his hands. And we can take hope. So as we close out this series, Church at Home, we've been doing that. Now, we're not going to close out doing Church at Home. I hope we do that until he returns, right? But as we kind of end this series and we'll go into a new one, uh, we're going to start this year off next week with a new series called Worthy, talking about worth, worship, which means worth-ship, to give worth. How do we worship? How did the ancient church worship? So we're going to start that next week. We're going to interrupt it in two weeks because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, weekend. And uh, our bishop, Bishop Tracy Malone, is going to come and preach for us on that Sunday. You're not going to want to miss it at Mosaics. Uh, but now as we look at this church at home in this new year, I want to give to you a couple scriptures that God laid on my heart to close out this year. And then we'll go to the communion table. The first one was from the book of Jeremiah. Now, you have to understand, in Jeremiah, uh, there was doom and gloom. Uh, Israel was in bad shape. Jerusalem was in bad shape. Babylon was going to come in and destroy Jerusalem in 587 B.C., uh, destroy the temple, lay waste to the city. Jeremiah knew this. He preached it. He warned the people, and guess what they did? They beat him up and put him in jail. So if you're ever beat up for sharing the, the gospel, you're not alone. And here's what, what God said to Jeremiah at that moment. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In this place, desolate, it's a desolate place. And without people or animals, in all its towns, there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flocks. In the towns of the hill country of the western foothills and of the Negev, in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again 
pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of Israel, nor will the Levitical priests ever fail to have a, a, a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to present sacrifices. And from Luke's gospel, talking about early New Year people, Simeon and Anna, two elderly people who were in Jerusalem when Joseph and Mary came, to present the babe Jesus for his blessing. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I, I love these passages. They were laid on my heart because I, I, I get a sense right now as we start 2021 that we're all waiting. <laughs> waiting for 2020 to be in our rearview mirror. Waiting for vaccines. Waiting for a time when we can all gather together again in person. Waiting for a time where we could hug again. Where we can shake hands again. Where, where we don't have to walk around in fear. Waiting is one of the hardest things for people to do. Have you ever noticed that? Abraham Lincoln once said, Good things come to those who wait, but only those things left behind from those who hustle. He's, a, he's got the activator strength like I do in his top five. Like, we, we don't think there's anything good that can come from waiting. Do you know how painful waiting can be? Waiting to heal? Waiting for that redemptive conversation after a broken relationship? Waiting for a loved one to land safely on a, after a plane ride? Some of the most painful times I've spent in my life have been in hospital waiting rooms. Women talk about waiting for that child to be born. Waiting is difficult, but the Bible again and again and again talks about wait upon the Lord. In fact, Isaiah says it this way, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth, young people, will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But 
those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall walk... Uh, they should run and not be weary. They should walk and not faint. There's something the Bible honors about those who wait on God. And, and, and Advent is waiting for Christmas. And Christmas this year is one I will never forget. I have never, myself, Pastor Lori, Pastor Scott, we, we made Pastor Terry get out of Dodge because the weather was so bad, get over to Lakewood before the apocalypse happens, right? And we preached out there in a blizzard. We preached online. Our band online was crazy. If you haven't downloaded their music, you need to do it now. And I was just thinking like, like you know, Adventus. We knew there was a, a coming. We knew there was one that was arriving. And then what happens? The, the Christmas happens. And then what happens? The lights go out. And we wait again for his return. I, I have a friend that lives in Arizona, and he lived in a development in Scottsdale. And he told me, this was years and years ago during the Iraq war, that uh, there, was, there was a house in his development that kept their Christmas lights on until May. Like, if I leave my Christmas lights up until May, it's because I'm lazy. But at least I don't plug them in. They plugged them in. And he said he had a chance to meet the family. And he said to him, boy, you guys must love Christmas. You're like the original Clark Griswold. I mean, you love Christmas because your lights are still on in May. And the father looked at him and says, yeah, we do love Christmas. But that's not why our lights are on. Our son was deployed to Iraq in October. And we decided to keep the lights on until he comes home. That's what Jeremiah heard. There's going to keep, the lights will be on again. There will be homecoming. There will be shepherds in the fields again because God is in control. It may look desolate right now. There may be pandemics. There may be all kinds of things that we don't understand, but there will again be light. And so how do we wait? We wait like children. Now, that's hard for us right now. Do you know we've gone from Amazon to Amazon Prime to Amazon Prime now? <laughs> We're not good at waiting, but the Bible says we should wait. And let me talk, tell you how I think we should wait. In light of this root that comes up from David's line, this child that comes, that we could wait like, like a child waits. We should wait vulnerably. We should wait trustfully, we should wait hopefully, and we should wait expectantly. First, we should wait vulnerably. Children are, understand their own vulnerability. I talked about this on Christmas Eve, a, a search and rescue team that said children are always easier to rescue because they know they're lost. Adults don't. We need to understand we're vulnerable. My family, uh, after Christmas, we took a few days and just social distanced ourselves down south a little bit on the beach and, and, and just got away from this year. And we were driving. We rented this big vehicle. My daughter and I were driving. And we're driving in this development. And there was a father with four young children. And his youngest one was in the middle of the road. <laughs> and in unison, seven of us shouted out, grab the child's hand. And he did, and he didn't hear us, but it was natural that he should do that. 
And you know what? We need to wait vulnerably saying to God, grab our hand. The old gospel writers knew that when they wrote the words, precious Lord, take my hand, <laughs> lead me on, help me stand. There's another gospel song that's not as well known that I always, always think about the words that say, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live for day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine for his skies may turn to gray. I don't worry about the future for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow. He's the one who holds. Anna, the prophet, at her age, 88 years old, went to the temple every day because she knew she needed to lean on the hand of God. She knew that she needed instruction. She knew she needed God to show her morning by morning new mercies. I want you to live into 2021 that way, vulnerable. This is, if the pandemic hasn't taught us anything in the last nine months, we're vulnerable. We need the hand of a father to grab us out of the middle of the street and to lead us and direct us into a new day, right? So we wait vulnerably. We wait trustfully. We wait trusting that God is with us. Children don't know where they're going. Just like the boy in the middle of the street, we're totally dependent, right, on adults for direction. When, when I used to pack up my kids when they were toddlers in the car, there would always be this panic from them. Where are we going? Where are we going, Dad? And I'd say, we're going to Grandma's house. We're going to meet Mom for lunch. We're going to get a haircut. And then everything would calm down. Why? Because they heard a word from their father saying he knew where we were going. We need to live that way in 2021, trustfully hearing a word from our good, good father. Listen to what Jeremiah heard before he proclaimed this message of there will be pastors again, there will be sheep again, there will be shepherds again. He heard this in chapter 21. He heard God say, for surely I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare, not for harm, to give you a future with hope. See, that's, that's, that's the trustful living that we have to have. Hearing God saying to us, I have this under control. If, just like Jesus asleep in the boat when the disciples thought they were going to die. And they said to him, don't you care? Lord, we're in a pandemic. We got racism. We got poverty. We got a crazy government. And Jesus said, peace. Be still. Trust him. Trust him. Hearing God say to Anna, I know you're waiting. I know you're lonely. I know you're a widow. Seven years married and then lived 60 more years as a widow. You can't be more vulnerable than that. But God's saying to her, I am with you. I am in control. Frederick Buechner, a great writer, said that worship is waiting. <laughs> Every worship service is a proclamation that we're waiting expectantly for God to do something amazing. Anna, fasting and praying, trusting that you're the one who can give me what I ultimately need. So we wait vulnerably, we wait trustfully, we wait hopefully. 
What does hopeful mean? It means full of hope, right? I, I, I read Nelson Mandela's autobiography, The Long Walk to Freedom. It was an amazing work. But there was a place in there that really struck me. It was where he was imprisoned unjustly, you know, uh, in Robbins Island there under the apartheid government and left every day to pick stones. And it was horrible times. But his daughter, uh, Zenny, married into the royal family. And when she did that, suddenly she was allowed to have visits with her father at that prison, you know, with no glass, with no separation. And Nelson Mandela wrote this. He said, I waited for Zenny and my new son-in-law and my new granddaughter to come. He said, with some nervousness, it was truly a wondrous moment when they came into the room. I stood up and when Zenny saw me, this is his words, she practically tossed her tiny daughter to her husband and ran across the room to embrace me. I had not held my now grown daughter virtually since she was about her daughter's age. It was a dizzying experience, as though time had sped forward, forward in a science fiction novel to suddenly hug one's fully grown child. I then embraced my new son, and he handed me my tiny granddaughter, who I did not let go of for the entire visit. To hold a newborn baby so vulnerable and soft in my rough hands, hands that for too long had held only picks and shovels, was a profound, profound joy. I don't think a man was ever happier to hold a baby than I was that day. The visit had more official purpose, and that was for me to choose a name for the child. For it was customary for the maternal grandfather to name the, the granddaughter. And he said, the name I had chosen was Zazaway, which means hope. The name had special meaning for me, for during all my years in prison, hope never left me, and now it never would. I was convinced that this child would be a part of a new generation of South Africans for whom apartheid would be a distant memory, and that was my dream. See, people that wait with this hope, they change the world. Nelson Mandela never gave up the fight and eventually led his country into a new freedom and a new beginning because he could live even in the desolate place that Jeremiah talks about. He could live with hope. My homiletics professor, Tom Long, wrote this. He said, Simeon and Anna, we didn't read Simeon's story, but he was an elderly person that saw the, the, the Christ when the young couple came up. And Anna, the prophet, said they didn't wait because there was nothing else to do, but because they had hope. Therefore, their waiting was not a vacuum. It was not devoid of activity. They worked and they worshiped. They performed acts of justice and acts of prayer while they waited. They defied the darkness by serving God. See, when we wait hopefully, we are that yeast in the dough. We're that light of the world. We're that salt of the earth. We're that little element in there that's living with hope in a world gone insane. And we're saying that in this desolate place, a child has come. A child has come. Christmas says in this desolate place, the child has come and his promise is that one day he'll be coming back. 
and we can live under the power of that hope. I love, there was a famous photographer. Uh, He has a lot of things, and he became a Christian, and he said, I learned the power of hope, and this is what he wrote. He said, hope has a wide-angle lens. (laughs) It sees the whole. Paul was probably the most hopeful waiter of anybody I know. And Paul could write this. This verse used to really tick me off. But now at my age, it brings me such hope. When Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth the comparing with the glory, ready? About to be. About to be revealed to us. Right? So we don't just wait hopefully, we wait expectantly. We wait about to be. We wait knowing, right? Um, kids on, you ever think kids on Christmas? I don't know how you were. You know, my kids, I couldn't get them to bed at night. I had to tell them Santa won't come if you don't go to sleep, right? Children live on tiptoe. And, and I want to never lose that. I want to always have that expectancy. I don't know if you watched our Mosaic uh, Christmas Eve at 5.30 or 7, but our, our band put so much time and effort into that. They worked so hard. They produced this, this wonderful download you can have. And I was up here at rehearsals, and I was filming on my phone, and I just couldn't help it. I posted it on Facebook, and I got disciplined by my, one of our worship pastors. Leah Bracey just disciplined me. And she hit me up, and she said, Pastor Chip, can you please take it down. Like, we're, we want to present this. And I just hit her up. And I said, I'm like a kid on Christmas, aren't I? <laughs> right? Like, I just couldn't wait to get down to open the presence, to open up this glorious singing. That's how we're supposed to live. That's how Anna lived. She spoke about the coming of this child who would bring the redemption to Israel. Do you know what that word redemption means? It means something that was outdated, something that was flawed, something that had fallen down. It could be redeemed. It could be made new again. And here for 88 years, she went to worship. She went to the temple. She prayed and fasted. Because she said, there is a child who will redeem us, who will make us new again, who will make us one again. Can you imagine keeping that sense of wonder for 88 years, seven years married, 60 years a widow, but never losing that? My wife and I went up to Mackinac Island in Michigan uh, for our anniversary. We've been married 30 years as of September 1. And we went up, and I don't know if you've ever been there. We never had been. But there's no cars on Mackinac Island. There's only bicycles or horses. That's all you can do. And in fact, the uh, garbage trucks are horse-drawn carts. And I remember the garbage truck came out one day. Terry and I were taking a walk. And here were these horses and the guys putting the garbage on the cart. And there was a little five-year-old standing out there. And he announced to everybody, the garbage truck is here. The horses are here. And he's jumping up and down. And he's yelling to me, hey, did you see? Yelled to everybody. He was evangelizing for the garbage company. And it bugged me because I knew someday somebody was going to tell that child, stop doing that. Because that's childish. Longfellow said there's a poet in all of us who dies too early. I pray you never lose your sense of wonder. 
I pray you go into this new year with expectancy, expecting that God is going to do amazing things. Here's what Abraham Heschel, Rabbi Heschel, one of the great prophets in my life said. He said, our goal should be to live in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Do you know those early Christians? Now, we know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. If you came into our meeting with Fote, our wonderful guide, uh, uh, Israel at Home on Wednesdays, he claimed he knew exactly when Jesus was born, October 14th. It's a guess. Nobody knows exactly. He had some good biblical basis for it. But the point is, we know he wasn't born on December 25th. So why do we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? Because those early Christians took the winter solstice, something that the pagans celebrated. Do you know anything about the winter solstice? It fell on December 21st this year. It is the darkest day of the year. It's a day where there's the most little light, but after the winter solstice, it gets lighter every single day. And those early Christians says, let's celebrate Christmas then, because Jesus Christ coming into the world brings more light every single day. And we should expect that. Let me close with this. My wife and I, during this pandemic, we've been doing a lot of walking. And we go out walking. And we walk at Nicasia, one of the metro parks. And it's not far from our home. It's a good walk. We'd be out there with the nature and the deer and the birds and the foliage. And it was in late, I think in October, we were out there walking, we had our face coverings on, and there was a family coming toward us, a young family, Asian family, they had their face coverings on. And this little boy, about six years old, he sprinted toward Terry and I. I thought he must be a member of the church, but he wasn't. But he said to us, he came to us, he said, we just built a great stick fort. We built the greatest stick fort. You need to see our stick fort. And Terry and I were like, yeah, yeah, we want to see it. Yeah. We're. He says, just around the corner. It's just around the bed. And, and Terry and I kept walking. And he kept yelling at us. And we said, no, we're going to find it. We'll look for the stick fort. And Terry and I went around the bed. And we looked. We could not find it. And we thought, maybe it's a little miniature one. We don't know. And do you know, for the next two months, Terry and I looked for that stick fort. And we couldn't find it until winter came. And there were no birds, and there were no deer, and the, the foliage was all on the ground. And we turned the corner, and take a look at this picture. This is what we found. A stick fort built big enough to be a cabin. And we were so overjoyed. And we went and we laid hands on that stick fort. And we thank God for that little boy and for his passion and for he, the fact that he knew that he had built something that was worth seeing. Now, I want us to live in 2021 in light of the boy that was born in the major who came into the world and said, I've built the greatest stick fort. The kingdom of God is among you. Now you go out and look for it and you go out and live for it. And as you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will fall into line. I hope that gives you hope this year. Now let's go to Christ's table.
where we can feast together and we can say, I will live vulnerably, trustfully, hopefully, and expectantly in this new year. God bless you. Joyful new year. We love you. Amen.